Man, well, before my message this morning, I want to take just a couple moments to, to speak with you about where we are, especially here in the state of Washington right now. Um, I have to tell you, as a pastor, I'm really terribly disappointed that we can't have church next Sunday on Mother's Day. And um, I don't know, I listened to our governor on Friday, and I have to say I was disappointed. And, uh, you know, Evan and I have been working all week to make this sanctuary clean and safe. And I think the inside of this church is safer than Safeway. That's my opinion. So um, I'm, I'm hoping, and I'm going to be meeting with our pastors. I conferred with some other pastors a week ago on how to legally and safely open up the churches of, of the West Coast. And uh, now we're going to meet with local pastors and kind of come up with our own plan of how we believe God wants us to act in this moment. We want to be safe. We want to be as obedient to the government as we can. But there's a point at which, I, there, I, I don't know, I think the Lord might draw a line. And I'm trying to keep my heart right before God where I can hear His voice. Because they said in the book of Acts, you tell us whether it's better to obey God or man. And so I'm kind of feeling this stirring in my spirit. And uh, you pray for your pastor and pastors as we meet together and try to come up with a good strategy of how to continue doing what God wants us to do during this season. We want to be safe. We don't want to be sorry. But we don't want to be limited either by these circumstances any more than is absolutely necessary. So anyway, I just wanted to share that with you, and we'll be speaking more to you later about what we feel like the Lord is saying to us. So turn with me in your Bibles this morning to the book of Philippians, the third chapter, the seventh verse. I want to begin reading there and give you a moment to turn with me in your Bibles, Philippians 3. Seven. This is the testimony of the Apostle Paul. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brothers, I do not count myself to have apprehended but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind 
and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let as many of us as are mature have this mind, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal it to you. Men. Paul wrote these words to the Philippian church when he was going through a time of great trial and testing and suffering in his own life. He was either on the way to Rome or in Rome when he wrote this book to the Philippian church. He wrote these words to encourage them to keep on keeping on and to press on when pressed upon. And that is the title of my message this morning, Pressing On When Pressed Upon. Amen. A test is when the pressure is put upon us, when it's put upon our thoughts, when it's put upon our faith, when it's put upon our lives. Amen. And I know that many of us every day feel the pressure of these circumstances in which we're living. Even when you're inside your house, you feel the pressure of what's going on around us all the time. But the Apostle Paul wrote these words to us to to comfort us, to guide us, and to establish us in times like this. And he gives his own personal testimony, and he he shares the things that matter to him. And in chapter 2, he was talking about humility. He says, not considering ourselves. Not putting ourselves first, but considering others and considering the gospel and the needs of all men to be saved. Paul was saying, I'm not going to draw back. I'm not going to let up, but I'm going to continue on. And the church to which he was writing was one of the best and strongest of the Gentile churches. There's, there's no rebuke to the church in Philippi for, for any bad behavior, bad doctrine. Now, the Apostle Paul used one sentence to tell two women that they needed to get in agreement with each other. But other than that, it's all positive. And even that's a good thing. Amen. He says, you, need, you two need to get in the same mind. So he was dealing with something that needed to be dealt with. But most of all, he's encouraging the Philippian Christians to continue doing what they're doing and to have a heart of humility which means laying down our life for the sake of others, considering the cause of Christ the greatest cause in our life, and to continue to preach the gospel, to continue to minister one to another, and to continue to reach out as the Lord gives us opportunity to do so. So humility is one factor. Focus and priority are another. Let me tell you something this morning. The things which matter most matter always, even in times of a crisis. Crisis does not change the priorities of which Paul is speaking of here. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection. The Lord wants us living right now in the power of his resurrection, which is a supernatural power, which is greater than sickness. It's greater than death itself. It's greater than all of these things. And the the Christian is empowered by a supernatural power to give us life to live in this hour and to live successfully, to live effectively. Amen. And 
The Apostle Paul's not ashamed of the sufferings of Christ. He says, I want to know the resurrection of the dead. I want to know the resurrection of the righteous. Amen. That's what was his, that's his priority, even in the midst of his own personal circumstances. These are the things that mattered. The other thing that the Apostle Paul tells us is he says, I'm not satisfied with what's been. I'm not satisfied with where I am. I am pressing on. I'm pressing toward the mark of the high calling of God that is in Christ Jesus. The word he used are two different words. And one word means to lean into. The other word means to latch on to. He says, I am leaning into and latching on to the very purpose for which Jesus Christ has called me, and I am going to go on from here. I'm not going to consider what I have done. I am looking not at the past. I am looking at the future. The Lord wants us this morning to have a hope and to have a future. And in order to do that, we have to set a goal before us and quit worrying what's behind us and what's around us. I believe the road forward is to look and see what's important in this hour and to press into those things. Maintain that hope that the Lord has set before us to realize the full potential and the promise of our calling in Christ Jesus. That's what I'm going to share about this morning. There's some other practical things that I want to mention toward the end of this message but I'm trying to share with you what the Apostle Paul is sharing with us in this passage of Scripture that is so critical in times like this to press on. As we look at our own circumstances, it seems like the road to the future is closed and there's a big stop sign there. But you know what? I don't believe that's what the Lord wants us to see or to believe this morning. I think he wants us to look beyond that. And I think he wants us to believe there is a hope and there is a future. And we need now in our hearts to begin to prepare for what God wants to do next. <laughs> Pastor Judy was kind of uh, stirring me up on Friday evening. And she says, I don't know why I feel this way, but I feel like we need to be ready for something. We need to be ready for something. We need to be ready for something. And, uh, you know, I, I, my mind kind of bent back to when she was pregnant and we were getting ready for the baby. You know, it was kind of that thing. There's something going to happen, and I don't know what it is, but we need to be ready for it. Amen. And I don't believe that that is not unusual. I believe that's what God wants his people to be feeling right now. There's something he wants us to be getting ready for. Let us get ready for what comes next. And let us keep looking ahead. There's many things right now that we can't control. And it seems like sometimes we may not be able to determine the timelines, etc. And uh, But we can maintain our priorities and we can pursue our possibilities. And I believe that's what the Lord's saying this morning to us, to press on in our purpose, which is to know Him. To know Him in His resurrection. To know Him, if need be, in His sufferings. Amen. Because to know Christ is the greatest thing there is. It is the greatest challenge in life. And I believe the Holy Spirit is saying to us this morning, don't lose your focus.
God's given us priorities and callings, and they remain the same today as they have every day. The Word of God does not change with the calendar or with the circumstances. I believe we should be like Esther right now, saying, who knows but what we have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. I believe this is a day of opportunity, a day where God is going to give us privileges, open up doors. There's some doors that have been shut. But I believe there's going to be other doors that are open. And I believe if we press into the Lord, let me tell you this morning, you can press into the Lord. You don't have to worry about social distancing with Jesus. Anything we catch from him is wonderful. So get infected with the things with which he is infected. Amen. Love and hope and grace and mercy, all of those things. Amen. You don't have to social distance from Jesus. The closer you get to Jesus, the better off you are. And the closer you get to Jesus, the closer we are to one another. Amen. That's the best way to stay close. Amen. That's our strategy right now. We're going to get close to Jesus, and that makes us close to one another. I believe we also need a really, really positive mindset. I remember what Winston Churchill told his people uh, in Britain during the darkest days of the war. He said, this is our darkest hour, but let, us be said, let it be said of us that this was their finest hour. I believe this is a time for the church to experience its finest hour. And I believe for you personally, it could be a time for you to experience your finest hour. You may not be able to go to work, but you can go into a closet and pray and seek the face of the Lord. You can ask the Lord, what is your purpose for me? What is the purpose for my life? What are you preparing for me to do next? Amen. Let us seek the face of the Lord. Let us go into his presence. Let us shut ourselves in with him. Hannah was in a position in her life where she could have no children. Her future was closed. But she went to the temple day after day, and she prayed, and she prayed, and she prayed. Until one day, the priest noticed that she was there and spoke to her and said, The Lord's going to give you what you have requested. And so the Lord then gave her the promise, and she became pregnant with the prophet Samuel bore him and gave him to the Lord and then had a whole <laughs> whole house of more of children as God blessed this woman who refused to be shut down, who refused to be locked in, but who took that opportunity of, of her own life having come to a stalemate and to, to a standstill. She went into the presence of the Lord and sought the Lord until something moved. And I believe God wants us to seek him until something moves in our life. The Lord wants to move in some people's lives this morning. There's miracles that he wants to do for you. There's things that he wants to accomplish in you and for you. And if you will seek his face, he is faithful and he will do it. He will prepare us for what is coming next. Instead of this morning thinking about what we cannot do, let us for a moment consider what we can do. Number one, from, again, from Philippians, the second chapter, we can have the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it 
a thing to be grasped, to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking upon himself the, the form of a servant and became obedient even unto the death of the cross. Amen. Let us take on the mind of Christ. We can obey the Lord and we can submit to his will in this hour. Paul says, he who works in you to will and do his good pleasure. That means to accomplish his purpose and his intent. God is at work in you. May not look to others like something's happening, but God is working in his people. He's doing things inside of us. Amen. And um, I, I just believe we sometimes need to get out the nutcracker, crack the shell and see what's going on in there. Amen. Don't be satisfied until you know what God's doing in your heart, what he's doing in your life, what he's getting you ready for. We can turn the volume down on our will and turn it up on the will of God. We can consider our attitudes. We can consider others. Those are things we can do. We can follow the example of godly men like Paul, like Timothy, like Epaphroditus. That's what's there in the end of chapter 2 before the passage that I just read. Paul was willing to be poured out as a sacrifice for the sake of Christ. Timothy was different from the people around him. He, you know, Paul says, I can't find anybody else who's willing to care about other than their own things. But he found Timothy who cared about others and who cared about the gospel and who cared about the apostle Paul. So Timothy is a good example of being different from all of those around you. Amen. It's a time to be a little bit different, people. A word holy means to be different, to be other than. And I believe God's calling us to that. And then there's this man who's not mentioned very often in the New Testament, Epaphroditus. But he was a servant to Paul who was, while he was in prison. While he was serving Paul in prison, he became so sick he nearly died. But when he recovered, Epaphroditus did not go home to play it safe. He did not shelter in. Instead, he, went to, he took this letter to the Philippian church, putting himself at risk once again for the cause of Christ and for the church of Christ. So these are people that we can follow their example. Amen? Um, and the other thing is we can be the best <laughs> that we can be. Amen? Uh, there was an advertisement for recruiting for the the. The armed services, it says, be the best you can be. It was a call for young men and women to take advantage of education and training to become everything that they could be. I believe the Lord saying to his army, be the best you can be. What does that mean? Press on. I want to be the very best Christian I can be. You, you don't have to compare yourself with somebody else. Be the best you can be. Live up to the fullness of your potential. Do everything that Christ has enabled you to be and be everything that God has called you to be. That's the call. It's not the same for all, but there is a call to everyone. The other thing is we can improve. Paul said, I don't count myself to have apprehended. I press on. Amen. None of us should be satisfied where we are. Are you listening? None of us should be satisfied where we are. 
I tell you, we can be a, I can be a better husband. I can be a better father. I can be a better grandfather. I can be a better brother, a better friend, a better neighbor. I want to be all I can be. Amen? Within all of us, there's room for growth. There's room for improvement. There's room, amen, for advancement as we press into Christ. That's why I want to encourage you this morning, press in. Press in and find exactly what it is that the Lord wants to do in your life. Paul was undoubtedly one of the best missionaries, if not the greatest missionary of all times. He was the greatest influencer of all the apostles. And yet he said, not as though I've attained or am already perfected, but I press on. I want you to say it this morning, Lord, I press on. I am not content to stay where I am. I press on. I press toward that highest calling, the highest calling in my life. I will press toward the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, as many as are mature, have this mind. Amen. Have this mind. I want to encourage you this morning to think about what God wants of you, what he has for you. I want you to think about what is the best use of your time, your energy, your possibilities. How are you investing your life right now? And could you be investing it better for the sake of the Lord? The other thing I think the Lord wants us to think about this morning is what can I do today that will determine tomorrow and eternity? I want to share with you what I believe is so important right now. People need hope. We all need hope. We need a positive direction. Many people right now are without hope. Consider, for instance, the seniors who are graduating from high school who don't even know if the colleges will be having classes next fall, if they'll be able to pursue their dreams and, and do the things that they, they feel like they should be doing. You know, they need hope. They need to know, even if college is closed, God still has a purpose. There's still opportunity for them. Amen? And maybe, who knows, maybe, 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 they can learn something outside of the halls of university that they could never learn in. But you have to be willing to learn and say, Lord, I want to know. I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to be educated of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'll send you the Holy Spirit and he will teach you all things and bring all things into your remembrance. Amen. I'm just inviting you today to make the Holy Spirit your tutor. He will guide you into all truth and he will bring all things to your remembrance. Hallelujah. So, God has a purpose for us. He has placed us at this moment in history. He has entrusted us with a task to prepare the way of the Lord. I'm going to ask you to just really consider that this morning. So let us press on. Let us press on. 
Ask the Lord to determine to search out your heart and to remove any behavior that is contrary to what the Apostle Paul is talking about. I'm going to ask you this morning to let God change how you think. Let him change your mind. I tell you, it's wonderful. <laughs> his thoughts are better than our thoughts. His, way, his, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Amen? I tell you what, it's exciting to know the mind of Christ. So God says he'll help us. Let, but he says to us, he says, let this mind be in you. Have this mind. Amen. We have to want it. We have to choose it. If we do, I believe God will make it real. I believe he'll make it happen. But it's up to us to choose. And again, like I say, just be willing to grow. As a church, as body of Christ, we need to believe in the hope and the potential of a revival, of an awakening that will shake this world once again with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. We have experienced over these last several weeks the power of the media and of communication systems around the world to share bad news, to share the, the not-so-good news. But that same power could be harnessed to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so let us hope for revival. Let us hope for an awakening that will shake our society, will shake the world, and will shake the nations of the earth, that the powers that be will have to step aside and let the gospel go forth in the power and in the glory of our God. Amen. We have to have a hope. And we have to hope that the greatest is yet before us. Amen. So I'm challenging you to that this morning. Also, in the middle of this present crisis, we need to consider why this crisis persists. And maybe God's after something. Maybe God's after something. God's trying to get the attention of people. I think there's some things that bother God this morning. One thing that bothers God a lot is the wrong moral values being taught in our school, right in our state of Washington right now, there is a Senate Bill 5395 that mandates the teaching and endorsement of society's degenerating moral values concerning sexual norms and behaviors. This sex education curriculum is nothing but the indoctrination of our children in these warped values that normalize deviant and dysfunctional behaviors and lifestyle in our society. I don't think God likes that. I don't think he wants it. And maybe he has stopped schools in Washington until this matter is dealt with. Another thing God doesn't like is 60 million abortions. Proverbs tells us there's seven things God hates. One of the things God hates is the death of the innocent. And so I think God has an issue with the United States and with the nations of the earth who've made abortion acceptable, convenient, and have increasingly turned to killing the innocent, the unborn, and making them pay for our irresponsibility 
and our immorality. And I think God has an issue with that. I think God has an issue with sex slavery. Do you know that there are more slaves in the world today than there have been at any point in history? And most of them are sexual slaves. I think God has an issue with that. I think he has a problem with that. God has another issue with domestic violence. Someone sent me an article this week that for some people to be shut in is to be shut into hell because they're being beaten, yelled at, and abused within their own homes and within their own families. I think God has an issue with that. Women being abused, children being abused, sometimes even men are abused, but God hates that. God wants to deal with it, and it's time for us to know that God wants to deal with that. There needs to be a change in our behavior. I think God has an issue with pornography and sexual immorality. We are the light of the world, and we are the salt of the earth. And we need to be speaking out that God hates these things, and there is a reason that judgment comes upon the earth when men persist in these behaviors. The Bible teaches us anything. It is that persistence, disobedience, and ignoring of the laws of God brings judgment upon men. Amen. You can say, well, God did it. No, men did it because they broke the laws of God. If you break the laws of men, you may fly off the corner going around the curve. It's not the law's fault. It's your fault because you didn't keep the law. There are laws that persist in, in nature. There's laws that persist in the universe. And when men break those laws, there are consequences. Now, those are things, just a few of the things I think God has serious issues with. God wants to change these things. We should be praying right now that there will be change in our society, that these things will change. And I believe if we begin to cry out to God and, and you know, I know that you're not doing those things. You better not be doing them. Or you've got a problem with the pastors too. But anyway, the thing is that we're not doing those things, but our society is. Daniel was a righteous man, but when he prayed, he took upon himself the responsibility of his people. And he says, we have broken the laws of God. We have sinned against you. We have brought this bondage and captivity upon ourselves. Lord, hear our cry and have mercy upon us. Amen. I believe the people of God need to take that same kind of position. Now, there's also some really good news of things that are going on. So I want to give you the, the good news, too. Amen. Somebody was sharing with me this morning that in Italy, in the early parts of the onslaught of the, the epidemic there, that none of the patients were recovering in the ICU. But when Franklin Graham and Samaritan's Purse went to Italy and began to serve the people of that nation and began to pray for them, people began to be healed and survive the virus. That's good news. The same thing happened when he went to New York City. The presence of a righteous and godly man with godly people in a godly ministry and even in a great city began to have an effect upon that city. Amen. And I believe that that makes a difference. And I'm grateful this morning to hear those reports about how things changed when the people of God showed up and began to take a stand and do what was needed in that hour. I have great, great respect for Franklin 
and for those who minister with him. Amen. If you've got some money you don't need, you might consider sending it to him. The other thing that's really good news is the Supreme Court is beginning to look at the possibility of changing some long-term precedents that have been made over the years. And as these things are hammered out in the, the Supreme Court, it creates the possibility that some things like Roe versus Wade could be repealed. And I believe we should be praying for the Supreme Court justices of the United States. We prayed them into office. Let's pray them in office. And pray for them every day as they make those momentous decisions that affect, amen, the laws and the culture of this country. We need to be praying for them, not settling for that. I want to give you some good instructions, <laughs> practical ones. Pray for people and pray with people. Do not be ashamed. The simplest question in the world is, would you like me to pray for you? Would you like me to pray for you? What's the worst thing they can say to you? No. I don't know about you. I've been told no many times. But don't let that stop you. Because you may get ten no's before you get a yes. But what can God do with a yes? We'll find out. Pray for and pray with people. Number two, don't be ashamed to share the gospel. Again, I heard Franklin Graham. They gave him a, about 45 seconds on a news broadcast. So he answered their question, and then he shared the gospel in less than 45 seconds. Man, that guy goes through every door that's open and shares the gospel whenever and wherever he can. And I believe all of us can do that. We can be bold. I know I mentioned the, the issue with the Senate bill here in the state of Washington. Westgate Chapel in Edmonds is collecting signatures on petitions. You can go there on a, any Sunday afternoon in the next four weeks and sign that petition. That'd be one way to, to, to draw attention to the fact that we disagree with the sentiments of that bill and we do not want it passed. The other thing you can do is take up a, a your, get on your computer and write a letter to the governor of the state of Washington and tell him that you disagree with that bill. Amen. I don't know if he'll listen to us or not, but the Bible tells us if we don't blow the trumpet, the blood's on our head. If we blow and they don't heed the warning, the blood's on their head. So I think it's incumbent upon us as the people of God to do a little more than we have been doing. We need to speak up and let people know that we don't agree with those sentiments. We may say, well, they're in the majority. I don't know if they are or not. I seriously doubt that. But we have a herd mentality. And it's not until some people begin to disagree that people, other people go, I didn't think that was such a good idea either. But it's time to speak up and it's time to act on behalf of our children. I don't want to think about that, that law being put in force in the public schools. Because if it does, I think all Christians are going to have difficulty sending their children there for an education. Something to think about. Another thing we need to think about is all social issues are empowered by money and by votes. So I'm going to encourage you as Christians, do not spend or invest your money where it will be used to empower evil. 
Be careful what you say yes to. Be careful what you're party to. Amen? I, I think God's given us responsibility to do that, and we can do it. But above all, let us pray, Thy kingdom come, and cry out to God, Deliver us from evil. Amen. I hope every one of you takes that to heart. I believe if we all pray, God will hear. Amen. But there needs to be a cry. I just, all these things that I mentioned, let me just say, we need to do everything in faith. Everything in faith, believing that God will, will answer, that he will do something. We need to do it with love. We need to do it with hope. But we need to do it in a way that exemplifies the virtues of mercy and grace. We're not here to hate people. We're not here to make fun of people. We're not here to argue with people. We are here to help people. And we need to realize that we ought to be gracious and merciful in how that we do it. We can speak boldly, but we can also speak peaceably. We need to act, but we need to act wisely. We need to act courageously. We need to act appropriately. Can you hear that this morning? I hope that each one of us is thinking about these things. We can't change everything, but we can change, and we can be changed. And we can purpose to do God's will in this hour. Don't let sheltering in become a prison of silence and inaction for you. We can act. Paul and Silas acted when they were locked in prison. They acted when they were chained. They acted when they were put in the stocks. They acted. They prayed and they praised God when they were scheduled to be executed at dawn the next day. But God heard their prayer and responded to their praise and shook that prison and saved the prison guard and began a revival in the city of Philippi that is part of the church to which this letter was written. So the thing is, they took action in a situation that was terrible, that was discouraging, that would have been disheartening, but they were refused to be cast down. They stood in faith believing the Apostle Paul says in Romans something that's always been so important to me in such part of my life. He says, I believe, therefore I speak. What is the evidence of our faith? It is us speaking our faith forward. But I want to add something. <laughs> I hope, <laughs> therefore I act. Hope is never passive. A lot of people say, oh, I hope so, but they don't intend to do anything about it. When a Christian says, I hope, there should be an action that demonstrates that hope in their life. The other thing I would say is, I love, therefore I care. Amen. Because we are called to love, and we are called to care. No matter how dark the situation is, God's still calling us to be his caring people in the earth, to care about our families, to care about one another, 
to care about our neighbors, our friends, to care about our communities, to care about our nation, to care about the nations of the world. I'm issuing today a call to you that is a call to action, a call to press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, and do not be satisfied with anything less. Cry out to God, say, Lord, I want to reach my full potential. I want my life to make a difference in this day and in this hour. I want the world to change because you've changed me. And give the Lord the privilege and the power of willing and working in your life to accomplish his good pleasure. Amen. I'm calling you this morning and saying the best way to quit worrying, the best way to quit being afraid, the best way to quit being discouraged is to get up, wash your face, put on your clothes, and be ready for action. Ask the Lord, what can I do today that will prepare me and the kingdom of God for tomorrow? Amen. I believe it is a day that is so urgent and so important and what I'm sharing with you this morning, I know I've said a lot, but I hope you will consider it. I hope you will pray over it. I hope you will allow the Lord to work it into your life. Amen. And realize that we have been given opportunity to be light in the darkness. Shine, shine forth that love of God. Shine forth the hope that is within you and be ready to speak to people and give them hope, and to give them life in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads together. In the Old Testament, they would offer an offering. They would offer a sacrifice that showed their willingness. When the Lord spoke to Abraham, and Abraham spoke to the Lord, he made a sacrifice. He offered several sacrifices as he followed the voice of God through the promised land. And I believe God's calling on us this morning to offer up our lives a living sacrifice. I'm asking you this morning to make yourself 100% available to the Lord to do whatever he wants to do. Will you do that this morning? Will you do it because of what Jesus has done for you? For those of you who do not know the Lord this morning, God is calling you. He's calling you to faith. He's calling you to believe. He wants to give your life purpose. He wants to put hope in your heart, and he wants to encompass you in the arms of his love. Hallelujah. For those of you who've wandered away from the Lord, the Lord is calling you back. He's calling you home. He never forgets who his children are. He never forgets your name. He's calling us to come home today, to return to the Father. And when you return to the Father, when you return to the Father, he will, re he will be running out to meet you. He will bring a robe with him. He will bring a ring with him. They'll kill a fatted calf. And there will be a feast because the one who was lost is found. The one who's dead is alive. 
The Lord's calling you today to come home to Jesus Christ, to come home to the fellowship of the saints, to come back to what God's called you to. Amen. I don't care how far you've gone, how long you've been away. Amen. The road home is short once you start heading back to the Father's love. You'll be so glad. You'll be so glad. And the Father will rejoice. This my son who was dead is alive. This my son who was lost is found. The Lord's calling you today. Right now, just get down on your knees and pray. And give your heart to the Lord. Give your heart life back to Jesus. It's his. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Jesus bought you with his blood on the cross of Calvary. So give yourself to the Lord. You belong to him. You belong to him. Just agree with him this morning. Let the Lord love you. Let him forgive you. Let him cleanse you. Let him make you new again. In the mighty name of Jesus, let it be done right now. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. There's someone who's suffering right now from a very deep and dark depression. I'm going to ask you to join with me, people, as we pray for this person. I don't know who they are. I don't know where they are. But I know they're suffering from depression. Lord, we pray for them right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we command that darkness to lift off their soul. We command that hopelessness to leave their heart. And we ask that the light of God's love shine into their hearts. Lord, that you reach down in your love and you surround them. And may they physically feel your presence and your love right now. May your joy flood their soul. And may your joy flood their mind. And may those dark thoughts be displaced, Lord, with the wonder of your love. We rebuke those things in Jesus' name. And we say to this person, you will live and you will not die. You will live to the glory of God. And God will be glorified in you. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad because the Lord is lifting you up. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. And God bless each one of you.